Hello. Well, good day to you, sir. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. I was right up, uh, just up in your uh, neck of the woods, just to, you know, around the block from you up in L.A. Oh, what were we doing there? There was a pod, L.A. podcast festival, and uh, people kept telling me that it was too, I thought it would like a bus ride to San Francisco, but L.A. and San Francisco are not that apparently right there. If you want it enough, you can take a bus almost anywhere. <laughs> But it may involve putting it on to a, uh, like a, a decommissioned battleship or something. <laughs> or a ferry. A what? Um, sorry. I don't want to be normative. What uh, did you do there? Uh, you, you did podcast things. I moderated a panel on sponsor relations with a woman who uh, was no longer a podcaster. Um, the uh, guy who runs the, the mid-roll. And uh, w- uh, one of our friends from uh, from Squarespace. That's exciting. That oh, was a neat panel. Did you uh, learn about any new shows that you uh, <laughs> have listened to and enjoyed? No, there's a Mark <laughs> Mark Marin does a show. Apparently, that was the big the big thing at this uh, L.A. Oh yeah, of course. He's a Cinderella story. Tears in his eyes. <laughs> that's um yeah, that's a very popular show. Um yeah, I enjoy that. I, I don't listen to it. Uh, regularly, but it's one of those things where if I hear about one episode a lot or somebody I really like is on, I try not to miss it. Uh, but no other, no other standouts, no breakout hits. Uh no. I mean, I, you know, I was, I was there. Uh, this is about the to, business. This is about the business. The business of podcasting. Well, yeah, that's you know, yeah. Okay, got to, got to make the Benjamins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What you guys, what you guys decide? Uh, decide on. It's it's good to make money. Is that was that oh, one of the conclusions? Yeah, yeah, that was definitely. Is were it, were can, there any were there any proceedings that I should see or uh, no? Any uh, follow ups? Any uh, action items? No, I flew though on the 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 plane, and I uh, I brought <laughs> some Clorox wipes, and I would wipe down the whole surface of the uh, fold down the tray, the tray table, and. Hmm. The little edges where you put your, you know, when the, the uh, armrests would wipe those down and wipe down the little uh, spinny things for where the air comes out and wipe down the uh, window thing. And then I, I felt good, felt good all trip. That's good. It's kind of like hiding in a portal with a washcloth. You know, well, just to <laughs> get the big pieces. <laughs> How's you know, everything do, with you? What have you been do up what to? I can. What no, not been... too much. Same old, same old, you know. Doing the same uh, stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the recording and the editing and the, you know, the uh, emailing. I email sometimes and uh, look at the web. I try to keep up with current events. Um, you know, I'll talk to people sometimes if I have to. Where did you get the gar- – is that your Guardian of the Galaxy rocket raccoon standing with his arms out, barbaric yawp to the world kind of thing? <laughs> Are you catching up on my tumble blog? I looked at this yesterday. Yeah, uh, that is my daughter's, uh, which I purchased for her as a present. It's a tiny, it's hard to appreciate how tiny he is, but it's got a tiny little Groot (laughs) and a a tiny little rocket. It's very cute. It's very cute. You know, I, uh, you know, I, I sometimes bemoan the state of quality in, uh, collectible, uh, figures, but like they've never really been that good. When I look at my Star Wars figures, which were beloved and maybe canonical to me, they're actually, they're not that great. You know, you, they don't bend much. You lose the you lose the blaster pretty early. Yeah. You know, and uh, and when they sit down, they look like they have some kind of a joint disorder. <laughs> well, th- I guess they do, don't they? Hans sat first. 
<laughs> That's good. Thank you. Thank you. That's my new mattress. <laughs> oh, oh how's your uh, how's your pinch? <sighs> I think it is I think it's gone through various forms of transit. I think it's made some transfers. Uh, and it seems to be going away. I, I got a book from the library. The library, the library. Say, yeah, I've been there. Say in Ohio, <laughs> where you don't have to pay cash. <laughs> um, I went to the library and uh, I ordered uh, a book that uh, was recommended by a friend of the show, Marco Arment. And I think it's called "It's Not RSI." And I'll I'll basically check out any book that that has <laughs> that will uh, make it so you don't have to go to to an actual doctor. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> you gotta you gotta find parking, and there's forms. Mm-hmm. You know, if I could if I could go there through some kind of uh, like a medical, uh, like if I had like a medical jetpack and I didn't have to fill out forms, I'd, I'd be there. I don't like parking. Parking is a scourge, Dan. Dr- driving drives me more and more crazy all the time. People ask <laughs> about about you, Merlin. I just want to say health wise. Thank, thank you. Oh, that's very sweet. Nod. Uh, what kind of things do they ask? Well, we had a, uh, it, it seems, you know, we have a great group of listeners on this show. It Every single day uh, makes me incredibly happy and appreciative and thankful at, at, at the listeners that this show has. Like, I, it, it's the best thing in the whole entire world. So whenever we, Comma. no, whenever we go somewhere, I mm-hmm. want to have like a meetup. So I had one at WWDC and we had one in, in that you attended, by the way, famously. And, I remember that. I yeah, was at that. You were there. And we had one at uh, L.A. When we went to L.A., there's this, uh, there this like little uh, shopping area that has a restaurant that we sort of try to get everyone, squeeze everyone into and have a, a thing. And, uh, and people would come up to me and I would, that, they would say, you know, reminiscent of all the great – I have to tell you this. All, all the, the great, great shows. shows. So uh, someone would come up, we'd be in a group of people talking and, and they'd say, oh, I love the stuff. I'd say, well, uh, what shows do you like? And and then they would say back to all the great shows. And this happened over and over and over again. It must have happened 10 times at this thing. Is that a callback or a happy accident? Uh, no, mm. it's a callback. It's absolutely a callback. And we would let, the people would look and I'd say, all the great shows, right? And they'd be like, oh. Yeah, all the great shows. So, uh, so I find myself saying that now, and I'm not loving it. <laughs> I love it. No, I think oh. it's the best. We Which say it shows? Here ten oh, times a day. All the, all the great shows all that you've done shows. in the past. <laughs> that thing with the thing that you did. There's that. Remember what was that one thing? <laughs> yeah, it's great. If you ever, if you ever need to like fake compliment somebody, that's a really easy opener. <laughs> so, so here's how to fake compliment somebody. You, you, you get introduced, and you, and you kind of give them like John says, you give them the shark eyes a little bit. You narrow your eyes a little bit, and you go. Wait a minute. Are you Bulbous Porcine Lover 69 on Facebook? Is that you? Yeah, yeah, yeah or whatever. You go, oh, man, you had that thing a couple months ago. What was that? It's kind of like a cold reading. You, you go into it and you go, that one thing you did. And oh, man, you remember everybody got mad when you, oh, what was that? And, and you can kind of worm your way into this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All the great posts. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Let me just say, I don't know if people tell you this often enough, but please don't change. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Whatever you're taking, keep taking it. Whatever you're eating, scarf it down. I need more. I need more of you, bulbous porcine lover sixty nine. Oh and by God. the way, it's Facebook, so you really should use your real name. 
all the great shows and they worry about my health. They which do. Is uh, really I had a guy who's odd. a I don't worry about that many people's health, Dan. Is the, am, I, am I behind the times? Am I on the wrong side of history? Should I be worrying about more people's health? Well, he was a chiropractor and he came up to oh, me and he said, brother. how's Merlin's thing? He's like, is he seeing, is he going somewhere? Is he seeing, getting some help? <laughs> <laughs> You should tell him yes, yes, yes. I, I, I have a consulting shaman and a witch doctor that I go to. And they give me homeopathy, which is great because it's in a very, very, very small bottle. Uh, it's very easy to take. It's got an artisanal eyedropper. That's not normative, is it? Hmm. So that's nice that people do that. Uh, I don't know why. I've had theories on what this is, and it's gone away before. It's certainly not as noticeable as it used to be. And it's in my right arm, so I don't think I'm having a heart attack. Yeah, no, I think it could be bursitis. Bursitis. Lumbago. <laughs> Croup. Yeah. Uh, the grip. But they, this is how I know. This, I know how a conversation, there's a specific conversation that happens almost any time that I go to something like this. And mm. it's I'm always... I'm like this, am I? You will, no, you would oh. like it. A guy will come up and he'll say, "Oh, I, you know, I love the shows on which which show, all the great shows." And then he'll say, "Oh, I listen to uh, I listen to to, to to Back to Work. I listen to Grit." And then they'll say they'll talk about how Back to Work and Grit changed their life. And I'll say thank you. And then another person will come up, and inevitably it's it's a woman, yeah. and she inevitably. will come. She will come because the men should always talk first. And the woman will come up and she will say. Oh, I just, it's great to meet you. I love, I love the shows. I'll say, which show do you like? And we will say in unison, back to work. Mm. And I will say, uh, I will say, the ladies do love Merlin. And they'll look me square in the eye and say, he is so handsome. Oh, that's so nice. And I'll say, you're damn right he is. Oh, see, this is the gender breakdown. Yeah. There's, there's, the, there's the very, very kind women who pretend to listen to the show that have never actually seen me. And that's their impression. The men all, all seem to think I'm a hobo. Yes, because we've we've joked about that in the past, and I'll, I'll turn on the Twitter in the morning sometimes, and you'll be having several conversations with people about how to tell whether it's a homeless person or me, and then people meet me and they say, "My goodness, you you don't seem nearly as homeless as I had expected." And I say, "Thank you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I put Febreze on these pants. I'm not a monster. <laughs> I think that's a you know. It, people yeah. often, you know, as a, think of it like that. You look less like a hobo than I thought is much better than what I get, which is, gosh, you're shorter than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> you don't sweat much for a fat girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean in a good way. I mean, uh, you know, the way you carry yourself. For a little guy, <clears throat> you seem uh, mostly proportional. You don't have like uh, you don't have tiny hands or a big head. Or the kinds of things I've come to expect from a little guy. You sound big on the air. You sound tight. Ooh, I love a left-handed compliment. Yeah, all the great shows, all, all those things shows. you used to do when you did things. Oh my goodness, that's nice, Dan. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I um, yeah, I uh, I don't know. What do people ask? It, it's funny because like uh, this is. I'll go off script a little bit here. Can I do that? Can I go off script a little bit? <laughs> it's your show. Okay, thank you. <laughs> mm, wow. You're determined to get this one in the Hall of Fame, aren't you? Yeah. So here's the thing. <laughs> I, um, I think of myself, you know, it's like I said on You Look Nice Today one time. No lobster thinks of himself primarily as food. That's a show lobster- with, San- with Sandy, right? The one you do. 
And uh, yeah, I think there's another episode out there somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, the point being, a lobster is tooling around. He's going to the discotheque. He's uh, going to his day job. Uh, he, he's working on his macrame at night, and he's doing all the things that a lobster would do. They're very old. They have time to uh, attain many skills. He's not sitting around going, I wonder how soon I'm going to get eaten by somebody in a strip mall. Because that's how you roll when you're a lobster. And I think when you're a person, you walk around and you got this sense of yourself and you go, oh, like I'm the person who does these things. And then somebody meets you and says, how's your health? And, and, and uh, you look like a hobo or you don't look like a hobo. Right. And it's very, um, it's very interesting to learn what, 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 what uh, people think of one. And this oh, gives me a segue. Could I borrow a segue? Go ahead, Nolan. Thank you. A uh, first time segue. Um, we, uh, we had, I just want to mention in passing, I wanted to thank everybody who came out to the Ungainly X-Man meetup yeah. last week. Because it was really, it's, it's really, really fun. It makes me think we should do these more often. Because, I don't know, it's really fun. It's hard to describe because it, it isn't like, it's not like an appearance. You know, it, it's not like, you know, John Byrne's going to show up and sign your boob or something. It's just me. <laughs> And, and like, and, and people come out and, and here's the thing is like, I'm there, right. Mostly corralling my daughter and trying to get her to not tear up comics. But like, uh, (laughs) there's also other people there. And I think people show hands, right? Five, six, seven people who've been to these can tell you that it's really fun because you get to meet other people. Yeah. And, and like, that's hard to do once you're out of college. And if you live in San Francisco, we have public transit. It's very easy to get from one place to another, theoretically. And then you can meet people and uh, you can go have bourbon a couple doors down. A cheap bourbon. I can't believe how cheap this place is. I think it must be a front. Like one of those um, handy, excuse me, the handy places that you have. Oh, 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 no, those are the opposite of a front. Those are a back. <laughs> a front would be the toy store uh, a few blocks from here. Don't be creepy. That's never open mm. and has a sign. And, 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 you know, I can tell this place is a front for a variety of reasons. First of all, it's never open. When it is open, they have the door cracked. The lights are off. And a 58-year-old Chinese woman stands there looking like some kind of water ghost. It's, it isn't a very welcoming environment. And everything in the store looks like it fell off the back of a truck and bounced twice. So, like, the window is filled with, like, Lego sets and, like, you know, Dr. Kits and, you know, uh, remote control cars and stuff. And they're all uniformly ancient and blue because they have been in the sunlight for literally years mm-hmm. with all of the red being bleached out of it. So, for example, I can tell you, I can, I can peg, like, when we got into Toy Story because it was around the time Toy Story 3 came out that our family got in, which makes that 2010, like summer to autumn of 2010. And we've been looking at the same Lego set in that window for over four years now. And it's a, it's a pretty standard, busted-ass-looking Lego set that fell off a goddamn truck, and it's $50 American. Wow. So they, they're not looking to sell anything. No. The water ghost is just in there hanging out and seeing who's <laughs> going to come in. That's a front. Now, the handy place, I, I'm given to believe that ever since they shut down that website where you could rate the handy ladies, I think their business has been really hit hard. I think they're going to have to innovate. They might need to make an app. They're going to have to do something that brings them into whatever century this is. That's just my thought. You don't see as many guys, uh, nervous guys in 49ers jerseys standing out front anymore. So um, it's nice that people care about my health. I'm feeling better. Uh, I, I mean, I, I really mostly feel fine. It's uh, ponderous. Well, I'm, no, I mean, I'm glad to hear that. And I, I don't. Oh, and thanks. And thanks for coming to the, to the meetup, everybody. And thanks to Two Cats Comics on West Portal Avenue for hosting it. I just want to clarify it isn't a thing where I, where I sit there and you come up to me and kiss my ring or something. Like, screw that. No, it's just, it's hanging out in bourbon. And it's a, it's a really nice thing. And uh, I, 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 it's a, I don't know, it's nice. You know, when you get older, you got to make dates with yourself. 
and the people in your life. You've got to like say, I'm going to be at a place at a time where it just doesn't happen. And that's why it's a good thing because I have a reason to leave my house up to three times a year. And uh, you're back. You're, you're, you're bleached. You, uh, you sound tight. Yeah. You, see, you sound great. Thanks. Yeah, I haven't eaten anything yet today. I ate a lobster roll while I was walking yesterday, and I didn't feel good, didn't feel good about it. A lobster so, roll? A lobster roll, yeah. It, it, I had to eat something fast. I'm talking about lobsters again. Oh my gosh, listen to me. What a hypocrite. Hypocrite lecture. Listen to me. Eating lobsters, opining about lobsters. Is this the show? I mean, we could start. when If you want to start, we could get started. How's it going, Dan? Good week? Big, huge week. Did you have anything you want to tell me about? Ah, uh, there at is the top, here, here at the top of the show. There, there is one thing at the tap that I would like to uh, to tell you about. Is it something is you got to pay cash for? Cash at the, at the library. Cash money is Linda. Linda dot com. L y n d a dot com. These folks are wonderful in that they uh, they help learn you. Mm, they learn you good. They learn you good. They keep you up to date with the skills that you need to succeed. In fact. Uh, I am using Linda right now to, uh, I always have been talking about learning Final Cut Pro on Linda. Well, guess what? Now I am one. <laughs> I am That's probably my favorite sentence you've ever uttered. <laughs> I am learning how to use Final Cut Pro using, using Linda. And basically what Linda I don't know, is. I don't know, I'm sorry. I don't know if Hattie's there. Hattie, could you reboot Dan? She is Just here. Cold reboot. Yeah. I'm gonna count count to ten. And it's, then like, turn back. it's like it's uh, like with data how he's got that uh, switch. You just flip the switch. He just now he's like a little dummy. He just sort of drops and he boop. Now he's back. That's, can, that's Babylon Five. I know that one. Do you know why C three PO says I'm gonna close down for a while? Do you remember? Yeah, it's like it's like the you know after dark when the when the toasters come on the screen and fly. You know he's trying to save his uh, energy and so he won't be disruptive to the scene. Okay, that's more about it. Well, anyway, tell me about Linda. Tell me about Linda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com. Linda.com slash back to work. If you go mm-hmm. there, you're going to see lots of courses to over 2,400 courses that you can take that are there whether you can call them video tutorials. You can call them screencasts. They don't care what you call them. Just don't call them late for chow. <laughs> they are amazing. It's one of the best ways that I know of to, to learn something new visually follow along in a course and they've got courses for so many different topics and so many different levels, whether you're beginner, intermediate, advanced, the courses are created by people who really do know what they're doing. Uh, Not amateurs, but people who are working professionals, people who have the skills and understand how to teach. And they make really, really great, great lessons, great learning tools. The way that this works is you get a monthly subscription and you can re you can use all of the courses that you want while you are subscribed. So you're not just signing up and saying, Oh, I want this course. I'll buy that one. You get access to everything so that you can watch as many courses as you can fit in time in a day to do it. And it's, it's really, really when you, once you, Oh, by the way, once you sign up, you can also watch this stuff like on your iPad. You can take it with you on trips. It's it's really, really great. Super high quality. Courses are broken into bite-sized pieces. So whether you have 15 minutes or 15 hours, you learn at your own pace. You can download the project files that come with these. If you're on a premium plan, you practice along with the instructor. It's really, really great. They've got a, a wonderful uh, co- new course on there, Getting Things Done with David Allen. David Allen himself shows up uh, for that course. It's serious stuff. It's a great way to learn. So you can you can try this all out. They don't want me to tell you uh, that, uh, that during that seven days, you could take a week off of work and spend 
every hour of your waking time during that free seven days and learn all of this stuff. They want me to tell you sign up for a whole month and uh, and and have an ongoing subscription. Uh, but you can start out seven days uh, doing this for free if you go to lynda.com slash back to work, L-Y-N-D-A. Thank you very much to Linda for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work with Merlin Mann. Dan Benjamin. <sighs> Jelly donut. Jelly donut. Jelly donut. Mm, yes, I, ate, I, do. I ate a donut in LA. Not gluten-free though, but I uh, ate, ate a donut. Can you tell if it's gluten-free? Because I think people might be passing you a lot of food where they've written in a Sharpie on the front gluten-free. Uh, I, can, I can tell once I've eaten it how I feel. Because you're a pyloric valve? <laughs> if I feel really awful and terrible and like I want to die and have disastrous results later, then I, I know mm. I probably had gluten. That's an awesome euphemism. Mm-hmm. Disastrous results. So how's everything way up there? In, uh, way up here. One, one easy bus ride away from Southern California. <laughs> it's terrific. We're always welcoming, welcoming people here. We're meeting them at the bus station. Uh, we're putting, uh, you know, like in Hawaii, you get a lay. Here, we just give you some poop. And wow. uh, yeah, and there's an app and uh, a loud restaurant. It's hard to get into. It's a, it's a great city. Uh, other thing I want to mention, because Linda, again, has has jagged my memory on this. Uh, I wanted to mention that a talk that I've been talking about, talking, talk, talking about, uh, a talk that I did, uh, is it really the last day of September right now? E- September 30th. Yeah. Cheese and crackers. I got a lot of work to do. Um, a talk I did earlier this month in Waltham, Massachusetts, uh, Constant Contact put on their uh, E4E developers conference. Uh, and uh, I did a talk there that I was talking about on here and have been kind of uh, brainstorming about for a few weeks. And that uh, talk is now available uh, on Wi-Fi, as my daughter says. Uh, you can now uh, view the video of that manic talk that I did called Advanced Tricycling. And that is in the show notes for this episode. Dan, and as much as you can say, as much as you're comfortable saying, where could people find show notes for episode 189 of your Back to Work program? 5by5.tv slash B as in brethren, 2 as in the number, W as in water ghost slash 189. The store is open. (laughs) We have a store kind of like that, but nowhere near as scary. I was looking to get some Banland gen. Excuse me? Banlanjen. Mm-hmm. That's not a word. Is that, what is that? Is that, are you pronouncing that phonetically? Is well, that like an Alba song? That is how I pronounce uh, the, the Chinese. Uh, it is spelled uh, B-A-N-L-A-N-G-E-N. Is it like a T or a salve? It's, it's a, it is a T and it's uh, the Isatis, Isatis root, as we call it here in the Western world. And it is uh, one of these wonderful... Uh, herbs that uh, you take, like if you if you have a cold or you think you're getting a cold or you don't want to get a cold, um, you know it clears heat toxicity, cools the blood, and, and relieves a sore throat. Did you say heat toxicity? Yeah, that's important to clear when you're getting sick. You don't want uh, pestilential toxicity invasion. Just trust me. No, you could be phlegmatic. Uh, you could be uh, rural. You could be uh, Dickensian. You could be verdant. You got to get those bodily, they call them bodily spirits. It's like a water ghost in your body. That's right. And you don't want hot water in your body. I think every Korean uh, horror film we've seen will tell us that. Ugh. I like tea. And it's called bang, 
Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna work ping pong. It's in the What's show. It called? It's in the show notes. I call it Banlanjan, and when I ask for it, the the Chinese woman will just shake her head no, and I'll yep. say it again, and she, no, and then yep. I'll say it again, and she'll say, oh, Banlanjan. Oh, easy text. Yeah, so that's Yikes. what happens. I know. But so we, uh, I was looking for this place, and I'm driving around, and uh, there was one place that seemed to sell it, and it's just like you described, but instead of toys, it was like. They had like uh, office supplies or something in there, but it was the same thing with the door shut and the lights off. And yeah, you know. they should call our neighborhood Front City because because there's a lot of those. First of all, I just want to say I am never welcome in, in the Chinese herb store, and I'm not sure why. I'm, it might be the heat of my body water, but I I throw off some kind of giant white red flag when I walk in there, and I am not welcome. I think they know I'm looking for things that give one energy in, in the uh, in the spirits, and that's probably frowned upon. We should ask the chiropractor; he would know. Um, welcome back to Ask the Chiropractor. You have one short leg. Invoice. So you've been um, thinking about this talk. Thinking about that talk. Is that what I was talking about? Yeah, and I got another thing here. Anyway, so that talk, and I said, it, it turned out, you know, okay. It's, it's, if you like the kind of talks where, where I, you know, kind of ramble a lot. Uh, and I did, did slides, you know, so that's good. But it's a pretty good talk. People seem to like it. I don't think it's going to be any kind of like inbox zero level hit, but, uh, but it was pretty good. And it was, you know, essentially it's about what we talk about on here a lot. Uh, one of the things we talk about, which is, you know, the ineffability of getting better at stuff. And the, the, as I said, I think last week, the basic thesis is that it's hard to know what you'll need to know in order to know what you'll need to know. This basic koan at the center of expertise about how it's, you know, when you're at the, especially at the early levels of something, it's hard, it's hard to understand how much you don't know. And then as you get more expertise and importantly, experience, situational awareness, all those kinds of things, the higher up the ladder you go, the more difficult it is to explain why you know what you know or how you know what you're known. It's a, I think it's a very interesting topic. And I pretty much mangled it, but it's fun. And it's got a picture from Dune in it. It's got two different Guardians of the Galaxy things. I do a Groot dance. Uh, it's got a lot to recommend it. So that's in show notes. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, you know, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this. So can I mention something? Yeah, of course. What do you use? Are you, you're, you're a Safari man, right? Uh, you know, I'm back to Chrome now again. Andy kind of scared me uh, from using Safari for a little while because he talked about optimization and battery life and stuff. Uh, but I'm I'm back on Chrome again. Um, did I ever mention, or have I recently mentioned library extension? I don't think so. Is this the may library I, elf thing? Man, hello, <laughs> hello. I don't want to bother you. I know you have a lot to do today. Oh, I assume I do. I do not invade your privacy. I am merely an elf at the library. Hello. I wanted you to know some of your books are almost due. Other ones are here for you to pick up. Goodbye. Hello. <laughs> I got the same voice for like five characters. That's also, my Heidi, that's also my Heidi Klum. Library extension. You're talking about the number one browser extension that uh, lets you instantly see book and ebook availability from your local library or your favorite book shopping site. Sixteen designers. <laughs> yep, and uh, and and it's dynamite. You, so you install this on your Chrome. You extend your Chrome with library extension, which is in show notes, and uh, it's one of those. One of those things that I encounter, I don't know, once or twice a year that still makes me go, ah, the internet it is a crazy wizard. Ah, so you install this extension, and uh, to configure it. You go into the little manage extensions dingus. I think that's a technical term. You go into the manage area, and basically it's got a little drop down menu where if you, you're so like, so, so anyway, let me explain. The basic idea. Let me start over. Good week? Huge week. Okay. You got books you want to get from the library, 
And it seems to me, this is a very uh, weirdly David Allen-esque thing, but you know where it occurs to me that I want to get a book to have is often when I'm on Amazon, where I have things on my wish list or whatnot. And so what I'll do is you go to any detail page for a book, and this extension runs, and it's right on the page above the like add to cart box, and it goes diggity and it looks it up on your local library, and if it's available, you can click to request it right from that page. And this is a workflow that really works. Flow. It's really, really great. I used it. Uh, used it this morning. I use it all the time. So, so anyway, so that that's great. And I don't think I was talking to uh, Jason Snell about this. I don't think there's an exact analog on Safari. I've been using bookmarklets. John Udell used to have a really good bookmarklet back in like the mid two thousands for this that you could configure. Um, anyway, I, I think this is dynamite, and I, I use it all the time. And so I'm, basically all you do, you go in and you look for, you drill down into like, I guess, country, state, try to find a library system. Uh, if your library system is in there, you select it. If it's not, I'm given to believe that these guys are really good about adding things, uh, you know, that, that people request. And that's really all there is to it. You go log in, it takes you to the, the page um, for that item on your library site and you uh, order it. That was kind of boring, but in, in no, practice, this is it's really, really cool. This is amazing. I've never seen this before. Uh, so while you were describing it, I installed the extension and... Plenty of time to install it. Yeah, and configured um, my uh, local library in it. And then I did a search for the book that I'm reading to, uh, to cash now Watership Down. Ooh. And it says on the right, Austin Public Library, zero of six copies available. And then there's a little button that says place a hold. And when you click that, it takes yep. me to the Austin Public Library page, as you described. That's this is pretty awesome. Yep, yep. <clears throat> I used it this morning to, uh, to uh, request Roy Blunt Jr.'s book on the making of Duck Soup. That's what you call a way homer. I learned about that from the Flophouse, which is the best podcast ever. And so uh, library extension is great. I'm not sure why I'm mentioning that, except that I just saw it, and I thought it's something we could use here on the program. I love that. Do you have any extensions like that that you like? The main extensions that I'm still using today, at least on on Chrome, uh, I love, and again, like every week it seems like we talk about 1Password, but I just don't know how people are using 1Password. Uh, I mean, how people are functioning without 1Password. It, it logs me into everything. So like that's my main one. I use Evernote. Uh, I love Evernote mainly for notes, and for note-taking, and the reason that I like it so much is that it's cross-platform and cross-browser. So there's a Mac app, there's a, a phone uh, you know, app that I use on my, my iPhone. I have uh, a, an Air that I use it it's on. So wi- it's so widely supported yeah. for so many kinds of things from so many places. It's, they've, they've done a great job of, I guess, evangelism um, with that. It, it's amazing how many things you can use Evernote for. Now you can put... I mean, whether it's what they, so the extension that I use is called Evernote Web Clipper. And Mm -hmm. it basically lets you save things that you see on the web into your Evernote, which is kind of, it's kind of got a read later feel, but there's more of a, of a categorization to it. So I've been using the heck uh, out of that. I mean, I just do that. There's, there's, if you want to get into some weird stuff, there's one called JSON view. So if you write Mm -hmm. code like I do and you're, you're in the process of trying to debug something or communicate. It exposes, exposes the payload. It exposes the payload. Um, there are a bunch of weird ones that I use. One is called Rails Panel, which is a developer panel for Rails development. So if, if you have a specific gem, I forget the name of the gem, installed in your Rails project and you also have Rails Panel in Chrome and you're using Chrome to look at your website, it can reveal all kinds of environment variables and a really, really nice 
uh, uh, thing. I have one called Sab Connect Plus Plus. No idea what that is. I'm not uh, familiar with their work. No, not at all. Uh, stylish, which lets you restyle the web uh, with your own. I got CSS. stylish. Do you have do you have the do you have the, the Plexit uh, extension? I do not have that. You can. It's a bookmarklet also, but Plexit. Uh, I think it's called Plexit. Is um. Mouse is over. My Plex Q extension. So if you're on a page with a video that it can detect, you hit the button. It goes deedly, deedly, deedly. Looks on the page for something that says it. Literally, that's that's the technical term. And it finds if there's a video on the page, it cues it up in your Plex. So if you want to watch a YouTube video later, you show something to your kid. It's a great fast way to add a video. I think it finds the first video on the page. It works. I mean, pretty flawlessly on YouTube. And then if it's one of those, you know, it's it's pretty smart about it. It's got some Disney magic regular expression thing that it's able to find the primary video on the page. That's, that's a good one. I, honestly, I mean, a, apart from all the gray market ways of using Plex, it's also great as like a YouTube online video. Do you, do you ever use the YouTube? Um, are, you, are you using an Amazon Fire? Yes, I love it. Are, are, do you do that thing? If you go to the, uh, the only YouTube app that I can handle anywhere is the one on the Fire um, TV. Fire TV, I think it's called. And, but uh, it does that thing where it lets you kind of pair it with your iOS device or your computer. So like, do you, have you ever done this? So you do a search, go to do a search in like probably the worst interface ever, where it's just a bunch of letters in a row and you have to select. It's like, oh, this is such a pain to use. But then right under that, it'll say, uh, go to youtube.com slash pair and enter this code. And basically whatever device you're on now becomes the controller for, I know that's a real star, but you let you control and cue stuff to YouTube on your uh, Amazon Fire or what have you. So does that make sense? So you're on a page and you're watching a bunch of music videos. You're having some wine and watching music videos as you do. This allows you to go there and add things to that cue, control the playback, and it's way easier uh, than using the remote. That's this is awesome. a real grab bag. Yeah. So check what, that one out. What font? Which is a great way to identify fonts ah, on web so pages. clever. I can't believe that thing works. It's so clever. And then I have one other one called XML Tree, which is essentially the same thing as the JSON view if you're, mm-hmm. if you're dealing with XML. That's it. I'll give you two, uh, two more. <laughs> one that I mentioned before that really is like, it's a deep, this is deep nerd stuff, but uh, there's a really cool extension called Template that uh, it's called the Ultimate Productivity Browser Extension with Near Unlimited Uses. Hmm. I don't know if I would have phrased it that way, but... <laughs> It is very cool because basically what you do is you get this little drop down um, when you click on it in the extension bar. And give, so you go in and use uh, a little templating language to copy stuff to your, your pasteboard, your clipboard. So I've, done, I've got one, for example, where like take this page, take the selected text and make it a markdown quote, you know, like a greater than symbol. But then above that, use the following kinds of information to create this kind of link. So if you do a lot of stuff where you want particular kinds of especially markdown uh, type links, you can get an incredibly, uh, really canny and sophisticated way that suits your own style. So like I have one for like with YouTube videos, I don't want to have to keep clipping off, you know, space dash space YouTube from the, you know, the, the, the title of that. There's ways that you can do stuff like that. So that's in show notes template. If you like, uh, if you do a lot of stuff, especially if you're doing blogging, if people still do that, that's great. Another one that I don't know if this is even necessary anymore, but I have it anyway, uh, KBSSL Enforcer. And it's an extension that, if memory serves, it will always first try an HTTPS version of the site. So whenever you go anywhere, and I, I suspect this might be baked in, but I don't know. But, um, and I'll put this in show notes. That's uh, really cool. 
And, but it's, it's kind of smart. It's not super smart, but it's pretty smart. So here's what it does. It go, when, you, when you land somewhere, it, the first thing it tries is wherever you went, it tries it with you know, HTTPS uh, in front of it. And uh, like, luckily, thank goodness, a lot of the time it works just fine. But there are occasions where you know, something's weird. Like I, I think occasions like when maybe the CSS is not, it's using like a, um, uh, a relative link, and so it can't find the CSS at where it thinks it should be. So if, if for any reason you land on a page and it looks really wackadoodle, you can click on the KB Enforcer, tell it to, in this case, tell it to redetect. So, so parse that page again and, and try to make it happen. If you know for sure that you always want it to be HTTPS, no matter what, you can click the Enforce button, or you can cl- cl- click Ignore, and basically say it's okay. Like, don't worry about this. We're casual. Anyway, that's one of those nice things that I, I don't know if that makes a huge difference, but it feels a little more secure to me. Anytime, you know, more and more the bigger sites are starting to support by default those HTTP connections, but they don't always redirect you to them, you know, so that you might type in HTTP and you'll go there. But if you had done HTTPS, you would get that too. And I think famously, Facebook was one of the first that started recently redirecting people to the secure. I know there's options. Twitter does that now. Twitter does uh, it now too, right? I, most, I mean, you know, uh, after a number of events happened in the last couple of years, a lot of sites went over to that. Because, you know, if you're, if you're sitting around the Starbucks, I, I just, ugh, it's weird. It used to be that I was freaked out by how many people didn't have a passcode on their phone. And now I'm, I continue to be freaked out by how many people use any open Wi-Fi that they can connect to. That just seems really weird. I mean, I can give you a 30-second demo that will change your mind about doing that. It's a really bad idea. What is the demo? Oh, you run that Firefox extension that just shows you how you can capture anybody's cookie flying through the air and become Mm. them immediately. Um, It's pretty much that easy if it's not an HTTPS connection. Again, I'm not a technologist. Another neat app, as long as we're going down this rat hole, have you looked at TunnelBear? TunnelBear? TunnelBear is really neat. It's a... uh, on the face of it, it's a it's a kind of a, your own VPN in 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 a, in a pretty little interface. Oh, good, my socks are out for delivery. Just got a notification. Um, Tunnel Bear runs on your Mac, or I think you can install it as a VPN on iOS. So I I know there must be a way to do that. And, and so uh, I think the 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 top line feature of it is that it's an easy VPN where for something like fifty dollars a year you get unlimited, you know, VPN tunneling. But the other neat thing that it does is that it can, so you can also do stuff like randomize, like a tour-ish thing, where it'll kind of randomly change your location. So I tried it the other day, and it, it said that I was in Australia and stuff like that. So if you want to be in like paranoid mode, you can run it so that it's you know, periodically changing where it says you're coming from. But the, the neat thing, like it does right on the tin, you see that drop-down for country. Um, I mean, it's, you know, there are some things that you can only technically watch in the United States. For example, if I want to go to the bbc.co.uk site... That was exactly US, what I thought of at the minute you said that, is BBC. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is really... It's mostly just an anal retentive thing in me. It bugs me that it redirects to BBC America. If you do that little drop-down and change it to whatever that is, you know, UK or Britain, it um, a little uh, notification pops up says, okay, we've changed where you are, and now it'll redirect that. So uh, my gut is, I can't test this, but my, well, I could test this, but I wouldn't mention it. I imagine that if you're in another country and want US-only content, this is one way to be able to see it. 
where you, or like if you watch soccer games, you know, in some crazy fly shop from another country, it's a pretty easy way to do it. And I, I mention it because it's cute. It's got a bear, and everybody loves bears. Anybody with any sense, and uh, and it's really easy to use. And I'm pretty tempted by that fifty dollars a year data package. I've used other things like this. I've used Cloak and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's not for nefarious purposes primarily. It's just that you know. You um, and again, I, I don't know the exact details of this, but I know it's pretty easy to even unintentionally leak a little bit of data. Like when you're changing VPNs, you're doing different things. It's just it's better to you know check your six and have something like this. If you're doing a lot of like, you know, being on um, what's the uh, go go plane thing? You're oh doing yeah, go go in flight. I don't know if that'll it'll let you do this with that, but anyway, just a neat app. I'll put it in show notes. Well, I will. I will. Uh definitely check this out. I'll tell you something that I do whenever I want that kind of thing, especially like in a, like one thing I don't mind doing in a hotel uh, is like net, <laughs> the one thing, the one thing, the one important thing you need to know about being in a hotel is it is I, like, I'll definitely use their Wi-Fi if I want to like stream, you know, breaking bad on Netflix or something like that. Like that, that's fine. But there is a uh, there is for a lot of routers. Not I don't believe the Apple ones, but uh, if you are if you are open to using a non Apple product, uh, there and I'll put this into the show notes. There is a router uh, that I really really like uh, that I'll have to. It's right up there on. Hold on, I gotta see the. Yeah, it's the Ace, it's the Asus uh, router. I'll put into the show notes. Where you know, first of all, it's a really great router. It handles really, really best Wi-Fi signal but I've ever had. Is this primarily for making your own hotspot from an Ethernet connection? Yeah, exactly. You would plug this into your cable modem, and you can then have the best wire Wi-Fi ever. Like it's the best Wi-Fi I've ever had. I never have any drops. Never have any issues like I do. Unfortunately, with Apple routers, constantly we eventually switched away from our airport extreme base station to to switch over to this ASUS one, which is just remarkable. It's it doesn't have the beauty of an Apple interface. The interface is fine, though, and it's very easy to set up. And what we actually do is we have it controlling the whole network. And what you basically, we're getting technical, but what you would do is you'd set your cable modem to bridge mode, and that will mm-hmm. hand all the responsibilities of assigning uh, assigning DHCP addresses to this thing. It'll let you do uh, port forwarding and things like that. If you if you have, for example, here we have a machine. That uh, that the hosts will use to upload, uh, so they'll record something remotely and they'll they'll upload it. Well, they upload it directly to our server here. Well, they do that through a port that we open in the router securely. Lots of things like that. That's uh, really handy because if you in that case, if you want to have SFTP go to right to your this, machine here, right? Exactly. It's so cool and the amazing thing that this comes with a built-in VPN. So uh, all wow. Macs, yeah, all Macs and iOS as well. <laughs> has uh, VPN capabilities built right in. All you have to do is go to... Uh, it's pretty with, easy to configure. Yeah, in system preferences, uh, you just you hit the little plus and you tell it that you want to make a, a VPN connection. You type in the server address, which is like the name or the IP address of your place, account name, password, and hit connect. And then you get a little VPN. And you can, in, under advanced, there is an option that lets you check it that says send all traffic over VPN connection. If you don't check that, 
it'll just send traffic that's meant for your network. In other words, it's it tries to be smart and says, oh, you want that machine that's on your on your network? I know that machine. I'll send traffic to that. Well, if you check that little box, it will route all of the traffic through the VPN. So, and it can do that in, in securely. You can turn encryption on if if the uh, system supports it, and you can do you know like 128 bit, 40 bit. All of this can you could get encrypted traffic. So essentially, you now have a secure connection to that office network in my case, and everything you send is going in and out through your office network. Uh, and, but it's secure; it's encrypted. So that makes me feel a lot better if I'm ever on a, a public Wi-Fi. And you know what? I don't really notice a huge difference in speed unless That's what I'm I was going to ask. Trying yeah. to, if I'm like, I will notice a difference if I'm trying to um, to download some huge media file. But if I'm browsing and doing email, which is the stuff that I would not want to do public Wi-Fi type, then it's no difference at all. That's a good one. I'll put that's, that. In that's the that's show handy notes. to have. Well, especially. Um, Oh gosh, this really stuck out when you go to other countries, um, particularly like when we were in New Zealand. It was, um, you know, the uh, bandwidth is pretty scarce there. You know, first of all, there's not. Right. When I was there, this is what three or four years ago, but there was not a lot of ubiquitous Wi-Fi, and if there was, uh, it was you know super limited. And you know, people, that's just an adjustment you make there. It's a different kind of thing. But you know, a lot of hotels you go to, you'll get, you have to get like a separate. I don't know if this is still the case, but I, I have been places where you need like a login for every device and you've got to update that like every day, which can be a giant pain in the butt. So if you can find a place that'll let you have your own hotspot, it's great for any variety of reasons. So cool. Well, we're, we're helping people, Dan. This is a show about helping people. There's a, another little thing that I have that's really cool. Do Let me ask you this. If you were in a hotel... uh. Would you trust their wired network if you were in a hotel? Plugging in, you know how many, many hotels will yeah. have a little Ethernet jack that you can use? Would would you trust that? Honestly, um, intellectually, no. But practically, yes, I end up doing that. I've heard things about things with all of those public networks that are kind of unsavory. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, uh, oh, oh, no, here, I'm sorry. Yes, Dan, of course. I, I plug anything into anything. I'm like, I'm, I'm like an animal. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm asking. Because what I was going to say is... Um, I was trying to give you a setup. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, if, if you do trust or feel like you might trust a, uh, one of these uh, Wi-Fi, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, wired networks, uh, there's another little um, uh, thing I'm going to put into the show notes. I'm looking for it. I forgot the name of it, but it essentially is a tiny little white box that you plug into Ethernet. Uh, it comes with its own little, little tiny, tiny little uh, Cat Five E cable or Cat Five cable, and you plug this thing into uh, a thing, and it creates a Wi-Fi hotspot for you. But it does it. It's such a small, tiny little. A portable package that it makes it just great. It's way better than the other ones that I've seen where, of course, you can do this with your computer also with Wi-Fi sharing. Uh, you can tether to your phone. But if you know you're going to be in a hotel, like if you're traveling with your family for four or five nights and either they're going to charge you 20 bucks a day for it or you don't really care, you know, you just want to put your Apple TV on something wirelessly and don't want to have to try to plug that thing in, or you know you've got your kid's iPad and an Apple TV and your computer and you, you know, this thing is great and it, it 
it was really cheap. I'm going to look for it and chuck that into the show notes too. I'd love to travel with something like that where I don't want to have to bring a ton of ethernet cables or I know I'm going to have one ethernet port and I don't want to plug it into my computer and share because the computer might be off and your kids want to use their iPad or you want to, you know, have a, you're watching a video in another, this thing is a lifesaver. That's really, really awesome. We went, we used it when we went to, um, on a vacation to the beach uh, where their router just Wi-Fi just did not work. And I called the like management company and like, oh yeah, we've heard that that one's not working so well. I'm like, okay, well, I need to get online a little bit while I'm that's, here. I think that all that stuff is pretty uniformly outsourced in the sense that like somebody put it in, it's there, and then you call this 800 number. Yeah. You know, if there's any problems. I don't think there's much they can do for you. Oh, but- I found it. It's called the TP-Link Wireless uh, travel router and it is USB powered. It's this tiny little little box. It's sixteen bucks. I'll put it into the show notes. Love that thing. Excellent. Um, <laughs> those are good suggestions. Um, we are helping people. Let me see what else I wrote down here. Uh, I didn't write down too much. We had a uh, dog buns. We got a uh, an interesting topic uh, from listener Chris that I thought we could talk about. I could uh, complain a little bit about health kit. Uh, Saturday Night Live book I'm rereading. All right, we got some time. It's it's early enough, right? Yes, we've helped people. We've done our, our quotient of helping people. I think so. Yeah. Um, what do you want to talk about? Well, one of the things that I've been thinking about that's sort of an existential dilemma uh, that I've been been working on on a on a, on a day to day basis is yeah, you know, and we've talked about it before, and people came up to me at this meetup in LA and a couple people said to me, you know, Merlin talks a lot about just going and doing that thing. You know, there's nothing that's stopping you right now from at least starting on the path of doing that thing that you really want to do. And, you know, I think about this a lot ever since I forget which episode you really talked about that. But I was just surprised at, on the one hand, it seems obvious, right? Like, you know, what's stopping you from starting? Um, I was just interviewed by uh, Chris Enns for his uh, Show Me Your Mic uh, show. And, you know, he he, he said during the show, uh, he said, you know, just you don't need to let like the hardware concerns of – uh, what mic should I be using to do the podcast or what preamp should I be using or what software should I use to edit it to get in the way of you just starting to record something, to just go and start doing this thing. And I've been dealing with that with this other show that I've been wanting to start forever where I'm like, no, it has to be perfect. It has to be perfect. I'm not ready to start. It has to be perfect. And I got this amazing letter. I don't know if he would be okay with me reading it uh, on uh, he 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 came up to me at the meetup. He had two copies of this letter. One's for you, which I'm going to send you, and one is for me. Uh, same letter, but he made two copies. How considerate of, the, of him to do that! And he says basically it's a thank you note, and it talks about where he was two years ago, and where he is now. And he wanted to make a, a, a career change. He was like super unhappy in his job, and he uh, now he's a full time iOS developer, and you know he he made this change. You know in part because he was inspired by listening to uh, back to work and like he, he listened to it and something that, that you said on one of these shows was inspiring enough for him to be like, screw it. I'm, what am I waiting for? 
You know, like the time is now. And I was just wondering if that was something you could elaborate on and talk about, because I realized that that is kind of the message of the show in a way. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, every day somebody's born who's never seen the Flintstones. <laughs> or heard my Flintstones. Uh, right. Yeah. Literally. Every day. Yep. Uh, sure. Um, I think, I mean, I, you know, the, the, I guess it's worth reiterating the basic point, which is that there's rarely a perfect day to try something new, or there's rarely a perfect day to do anything for the first time. There's rarely a perfect day to go out and pretty quickly feel like a failure if you don't have the right state of mind about approaching something. So, I mean, that's, I guess the basic problem in some ways is that this does get back to the expertise thing in some ways is we don't know what we don't know about what we don't know. And that can be really, uh, that can really stymie you. It can stymie your enthusiasm and it can make you feel really stupid and really feel like you have to, like for somebody like me, I guess classically, I feel like I have to try and glean all of this entry-level information about what I need to know. It's not enough to just have a mic. Like I need now I need to learn about mics and I need to like master before I've ever even tried to record anything interesting. I've got to go read all these reviews and do all these kinds of things. And, you know, and in a second, I'll return to why that can be an interesting dilemma. But yeah, I, and the basic thing is, you know, if, you, if you're really feeling stymied and you're having, feeling like you got a little bit of guts today, ask yourself what is stopping you from doing that. Um, the problem is that most of us can't do that or won't do that. The, the problem is that I think we very rarely, let's put it this way. It's one of those things where if it wasn't a problem, it wouldn't be a problem. Like if you were already really good at that, then you wouldn't be hung up on that. You're probably hung up on that because it's something that has happened a lot in the past. You're perpetually hung up. Right. And that requires uh, something between a, you know, a ridiculous amount of courage and a paradigmatic leap. Because it requires you to be a dummy for a little while and to be a courageous dummy. It requires you to go into something that seems scary and foreign and, and, and like with my kid, with the scooting and the biking, I, I mean, this is not peculiar to her by any stretch. Even if you're not a perfectionist, I think it's sort of, it feels really undignified to not know what you're doing, to not know if you're capable of it, um, to, not, to not know if you can complete it, and to not know if it'll be good, which is plenty of reasons to do almost anything else, including whatever it is you've been doing, because that's the devil you know. So, I mean, I, I guess to, to make, add a little bit, so yes, I, I want to offer you, yes, I give you the benediction. I give you the blessing to go out and try something different. But I guess if there's any subtlety I'd add to that, I think it's instructive to try and mindfully explore why you haven't done that already. You know, it's our, our old joke from a million shows ago. Like if you were really that talented, you would be a product lead at Google. Like you wouldn't be, there aren't, probably aren't that many people in that position that are wondering if they're capable. Well, they are capable and they've got the job that they deserve. So whenever you're struggling with something like at your work, it's worth asking like why you haven't already done something about it. Not, not to shame you or to make you feel like a, really crummy that you haven't done something, but, but to look at like, you know, looking at the pattern of what you do and what you think habitually will tell you a lot more than trying to guess this amorphous answer to this amorphous question. Like if you tend to be somebody who is risk averse, you tend to be somebody who is um, like most of us. You know, you'd rather have safety rather than risk. You'd rather have something easy rather than something difficult. You'd rather have something known than something unknown. You know, you could go out and explore kale tonight, but you probably won't because you got a bunch of you know macaroni and cheese that's just as easy to cook. <laughs> it's it takes a big leap to do that. So I mean, the the one tip from that old idea of just starting on something is to realize that even one little step in a direction is still a step. But it should be a step of substance. 
there's this, there's the meta steps that we take, which involve thinking about the steps we need to take and making a diagram and going to the office supply store. And all that stuff can be really gratifying. But, but remember, you've probably gone through that same somewhat masturbatory process a lot in the past. And it's what's led you back to having more office supplies than completed products. So just keep that in mind. And remember that the leap you might need to take is to do something really brave. Like contact somebody who does what you do and talk to them. It might be something like take whatever mic you have. Take the built-in mic, if you're talking about recording stuff. The built-in mic on your computer and try just talking to yourself and acting like you're addressing an audience. Try that for five minutes. That's a much bigger step than buying a notebook. And it it does take a lot of courage because you're going to sound like a dummy. But that is is a big step one. So I hope that's helpful. But the... um, like I say, I think there's something to be gained from trying to understand, you know, your procrastination or your resistance in Stephen Pressfield's terms. But, you know, I think there's usually something to learn about why we're not already doing this thing that we feel is really important. And because that can tell you a lot. And if you look at your history of things that didn't work out the way you wanted to, that can, I think that can be a smart step. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. It's, it's, but it's somehow people, like I tweeted the other day about this. I'm like, what is it that is stopping you from at least starting that process? You know, what is the reason? Is the reason really valid? Like if it's a time thing and you can't fit it in, well, maybe that's valid, but then maybe the thing that you think, because I feel like people walk around with this, uh, backpack full of bricks on their their shoulders like i really need to be doing this or i should really do this do you ever feel it like i i need to i need i really start i need to i need to walk more you know or i really should sleep more yeah i should i should I get really to bed earlier. should drink more water yeah but, but we I don't can't. we never do we just don't we come and we come up with reasons and maybe the reasons are valid but if they're valid and they're valid reasons as to not do something then can we let go of that thing in our mind that says we should be doing it? Like if you, at some point people make, we've talked about this, people make that new year's resolution, right? Of I'm going to lose 10 pounds. And you know, then they start out January 1st. The same same resolution that they've made every year. Yeah. January 1st. A resolution they wouldn't need anymore if they had honored the resolution the first time. Right. How many times do we, try to do something before we say, you know what, I'm just not, it's the back again to the whole thing that, that, uh, you talked about the getting things done thing of like, is this something I'm really going to do? If it's not kill it and stop feeling bad about it. Right. But that feels like deferring a dream sometimes. Yeah, it does. When you say like, you know, whether it's, you know, I want to be a rock star or I want to have a rocket car or I want to have a race car bed or something like that. Like if that's something you've always had in your mind for a long time, you know, letting go of that feels like a failure when, you know, like you say, in some ways, it's really just a way of taking a surpassing number of bricks out of your, out of your backpack. Um, I just wrote down three things that I just made up that might help with this. And first of all, understand that like whatever it is you want to do. And I guess, we, you know, podcasting seems like a little bit on the nose, but it could be anything. It could be anything that requires you to become somebody a little bit different in front of other people. Or it could just be something for yourself. It could be that you really need to like fix your deck or something like that. You not your slide deck, but your your beautiful redwood deck. Um, I think you have to figure out what's required, to, what's really required to get started, um, what you'll need to keep going, and when it's time to check back in with yourself. Would be, I think, three things I just made up to think about. I like that. So, 
Yeah. So the getting the getting started part is um, is is probably the hardest because if you don't ever get started, you're not going to get anywhere. And the things that make us feel like we're getting started are not always the things that are moving us propulsively, productively toward a more interesting area of the unknown. Like you know, it's if if you um if you stop working out the first time that your muscles got tired, you kind of would be missing the point of what exercise is for. Right? You well, if you're having a really bad day and you think you might be getting close to injuring yourself, well, you know, stop and take a break. But or if you stop meditating every time you got distracted, you'd be missing the point of the meditation. Mm-hmm. So it helps to understand that like it's it's difficult because it's supposed to be difficult. If it isn't difficult, it may not be something that's that new to you, and then you get bored, right? Uh, or you get or you say like this is too much like this other thing or like this is not different enough from the thing that's making me unhappy now like oh there's all this corporate hassle involved in starting this business I already got enough of that at work thank you very much so the getting started part is I always feel like um just what what's the phrase they use in development like the 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 phrase they used on like Silicon Valley the minimally acceptable What's the phrase? Oh, that I know like, what you're talking about. I haven't seen that show yet. Um, but like, what's what's you know, start out with a, with a, a a goal that's really modest. Which is this is the really painful part in some ways. Is if you and I, I realize this is a little bit of a straw man, but for, like instead of saying like I will either succeed and become my idea of a rock star from 1982, or I'm a failure. When really you don't have enough experience yet to know whether that's even something you really want to do. The chat you don't room have enough is, experience is, to know whether. It, the chat room saying, sorry, a minimally viable product. Right, right, which is douchey, but like that's a pretty good phrase. And a mini- minimally viable product for a little one-person operation at first is to have done something enough to understand a few things, to understand whether it's, it's something that you can do. Like if you have physical pain like putting on your gym shorts, you're probably not ready to do a really big workout yet, right? If you, if you find it that difficult to talk into the built-in mic on your Mac, you may not be ready. You may not need to worry about going out and getting sponsors yet. You got to take a bigger step back and then ask yourself, you know, the thing that I've had to confront many times, I think it's a valuable question. If it's that hard for you to write a book, ask yourself if writing a book is really the thing for you. If it is really that impossible for you, maybe you don't really want to write a book. Or to put it like in those terms we don't like, maybe you can't write a book now anyway. But, but you know, as far as the getting started stuff, I think it helps... It helps to distinguish things. It helps to distinguish the things that feel like progress because they're busy work that, you know, again, the joke about buying a new notebook or about, you know, sitting and, you know, playing with your calendar or something like that. But, you know, diving into something privately that you don't ever have to show anybody that gets you closer to finding out if this is the thing that's for you. And that could be things like research. That's really important. But interacting with other people and talking about it is important too. You know, um, we're talking, I guess we should probably pick out something specific. There's another kind of thing. I mentioned this a little bit in my talk this month. I think it's important to start distinguishing the different kinds of like uh, physical discomfort that things cause us. Because again, at, like when you're doing meditation, uh, there's all these levels to it where you want to start out by thinking about things like breathing. You want to start out by trying to quiet your mind. So, but that's all just kind of like, that's all just the opening... Uh, previews to get you to where you can sit still long enough to watch what you're thinking without judgment. Mm -hmm. That can take a very, very long time. But you still got to do those other things every day to get there. And so in this case, developing 
developing like a thing like when you're trying to relax or you're trying to get to where you can be still for a while, they talk about things like doing body scans, talking about things like noticing where you have tension in your body that you didn't realize you had tension. It sounds really off topic, but I think it's not. I think if you become more aware of, of the way your body feels, especially when it's associated with a negative emotion, you're going to start noticing some patterns. I notice things like I start scrunching up my shoulders. I notice things like I have a lot of tension, like I'm kind of tightening up, you know, clenching. I notice things like I might feel like, like a lot of people feel like, like butterflies in your stomach. You might feel a kind of like unease that's like making you like want to go run and be anywhere else. <laughs> anywhere but where you're sitting, right? Right. But that I guess, maybe this is off topic, but I feel like learning to become more aware that first of all, you're going to feel those things when you get anxious or to realize you feel those things when you're not sure what's next. Like learn to like notice those things and to the extent possible, maybe learn why you felt that. Like, oh, isn't that interesting that whenever I sit here and, and think about this project, I automatically start having these negative thoughts about what I haven't done already. And then I think about all the other things in my life that I haven't done already. And pretty soon now, there's no way you're going to work on that project because your mind has gone off in a million directions. You might notice at that time that you're, that you're feeling like tension in your neck or shoulders. You might notice that, you know what I'm talking about. And it's individual for each person, but start noticing that. Because that can become um, unintentionally something where you're making yourself physically go into knots every time you just think, think about something. Which if you think about it, it's kind of crazy. And, and, but very interesting, which is that you are in, you in a position to cause yourself a physical reaction merely by thinking a thought. And if you do it often enough and you practice enough in a bad way, you will get really good at being able to go from, I don't notice anything to, I feel incredibly bad and anxious about it. So becoming aware of that, but then also becoming aware that like, like I said in this talk, I think there's a big difference from like the kind of panic of like a dog running around a corner and running at you. You know, the, the bear, the bear in the woods kind yeah. of thing, like feeling immediately under attack to learn to differentiate that particular kind of physical panicky feeling from the feeling of, oh, you know, I'm just tired or I don't like what it is that I'm writing right now and that's making me anxious or so on and so forth. If you can learn to differentiate those and in some cases get past that feeling, both the physical sensation and the idea that there is a thought here that I'm thinking that is keeping me from doing this thing that I feel like I really want to do. And this sounds a little recursive, but if you can be aware of that, aware of that, and be okay with that, and become mindful enough to sit with it, and go, well, you know, I'm going to be anxious, but I'm also going to be typing, and that's going to be a thing I'll do. Where I'll, I will type anxiously for a little while, and when I'll, when I'm done, I'll see how that goes. And if you did a little bit of anxious typing, a little bit every day, you might become more okay with that anxiety, or you might even notice that now the anxiety is becoming less severe because the typing is more important than the anxiety. And that's not anything that you can do by just thinking about it. You have to kind of do it. So those are getting started type things. The keeping going part to me is trying to find time to do something. God, I just realized this sounds a lot like a talk I did uh, a few years ago. I'll try to find that talk at um, Max FunCon about yeah. the uh, seduction community. But the keeping going part to me is, is where you're at least advancing to a higher level. You're going like, well, I'm doing this. I've tried this thing enough that I can figure out that it's not going to eat, eat me. Like, I can do this. I can at least do this a little bit. And then, uh, and again, I know everybody's got time constraints. There's no question. But even if you, even if you, let's talk about writing. Like, if you want to write, and you're pretty sure you really want to write, you can find five minutes to write every day. You could find time to produce 
250 to 500 English language words. And as my uh, hero Don Murray says, like you could fill a page or three while the coffee is being made. It won't be great, but that doesn't matter. You're not there to be great. You're there to type. You sit down and you write. And if you do that every day, if you wrote 250 words every day, you would have a lot more words than over the year that you thought, I really should be writing 5,000 words today. It's a, you know, it's a rally, not a race. So the, the, getting, the keeping going part is having some kind of a dedication to sitting through the parts where you feel uncomfortable about it or you feel um, unwell about it. I'm rambling, aren't I? No, not at all, actually. And I, I, I mean, for myself, I've realized that, you know, uh, there are certain kinds of feelings that I, that I will, by default, eventually feel at some point every day. If, I, if I'm really honest about it, you know, depending on like how your blood sugar works and how much coffee you've had, there's probably a time every day that we have certain kinds of neutral to negative feelings. I mean, I, I think most people tend to feel pretty low-key and unenergetic after lunch. It's why I never want that spot on a speaking bill because that's the point when people are really feeling pretty nappy. And so become aware of that. Become aware of those, those kinds of energy things. But you, it's difficult. The point of the keeping going part is it's going to be hard to know whether you've even picked the right target if you haven't done it enough. And even if you haven't done it poorly enough, before you can get, you know, before you can get great at it, you have to suck for a little while. You gotta, you gotta, you'll have to suck at it, but try to suck regularly. And then eventually you start to suck a little bit less. So, I mean, this is not anything too much more profound than pretty much any self-help book. But I think the thing, listening to the things that stop us if we, if we try to be more attuned to what those dumb voices in our head are telling us, we may learn some interesting things. And if we kind of, like I say, sit with it, and if we're mindful of, instead of thinking those thoughts as the thing that like my brain is producing to make me feel bad, try to have a little distance. Watch it like it's a movie and go, well, that's really interesting. It's around these certain times a day that I tend to get a little panicky. And that's probably a terrible time to try and start a podcast. Or there may be certain times of day, you know, this is going to vary for everybody. But becoming aware of those things, uh, It'll teach you the, 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 the thing that everybody eventually learns, which is nobody ever found it that easy to sit down and do this, whatever your thing is. It was hard for everybody at some point. But as with my kid getting on the bike, every time that pedal turns around, she's getting better at riding a bike, even if she still sucks at riding a bike. <laughs> and being like okay with the fact that I'm going to suck at this for a while is, you know, a big piece. So, and then finally the checking in part, and this is, and I think, a very kind of iterative process. You keep going with whatever you're keeping going with. And as the, the thing that I can't teach you, like I say, there's no pamphlet I can hand, hand you, but I can just, let me try to assure you that as you do whatever it is you'd like to be doing, as you do it more, it's going to become clearer that you may never even have been asking the right question about whether you're going to be great at this or whether you're going to be able to do it. And the only way to find that out is to keep doing it. So whatever it is you've decided to do, like I think a good example, again, might be some kind of exercise. It might be writing. It might be deciding that, like, like I did that thing for a while where I made a video every day. And I discovered I loved making a video every day, <laughs> but it was too much of a pain in the butt to put up. It was not the making the video that was hard. It was the getting it up that took a lot of time. But, you know, and so I decided my check-in at that point was, yeah, I probably don't want to do this every day. But the checking in is also a way of saying, like, it's recalibrating your target, like triangulating where the art artillery is shooting and going like, you know, I, it's funny because I find that I really, I kind of enjoy drafting stuff like more than I expected, but I don't like editing it. That's interesting. I kind of like this funnier stuff that I do rather than this more serious stuff. I wonder if I should work more on that stuff. I wonder if actually I might want to take an improv class rather than do this writing because maybe that's what I really like. But you can't, 
you, you can't really honestly do that. And again, if you want to do any of that stuff, jump in. If you've got the confidence, do it. It's just that for most of us, it's hard to know, to, again, to, to quote Stephen Covey, whether our ladder is even against the right wall, hmm. unless you've done it enough to know whether it's for you or not. Before you can ever get any good at it, you got to do it a lot. And the check-in is a way of saying, like, how do I need to um, kind of re-level my resources, like, you know, resource leveling and project management? Do I need to spend more time on this than that? Do I want to try something different? But the point is then to go straight back to the keeping going part or to get started on something else. But just as an exercise, like the NaNoWriMo Time Obimo, you know, where you write a novel in November, that's coming up pretty soon. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. That's a pretty big project for somebody who's never written anything. But, you know, you could set yourself, um, you know, I've always really been attracted to things like the way they do TV series. We call them seasons here. TV series in England, you'll do like six episodes, six episodes of The Office, six episodes of Faulty Towers, you know, whatever it is, three episodes of Sherlock. But say to yourself, like, I'm going to do a limited episode season of this thing. So in this case, I'm for one week, I'm going to try writing every morning. And so there's a light at the end of the tunnel, which is I don't have to worry about this after a week. All I, all, quote unquote, all I have to do is do this one, you know, for this one week. And if you like that, keep going. It's also a great way to quit smoking or quit drinking or quit shooting up is to say, I'm just going to do this for a little while. I'm going to take a break from this and see if you can do that. I don't know. Did that get anywhere near what that person was talking about? No, I think t- absolutely. Yeah. What are the take takeaways from that? Um, if you can find the uh, wherewithal, try jumping in a little bit into something. But remember that just because you jump in and it didn't go great the first time doesn't mean it's not worth pursuing more. But then I think there's something to be said about having a sensitivity, a mindful and muscular sensitivity, mind you, about all the reasons why you haven't done it in the past, all the reasons why your brain is telling you not to do it now, why it's telling you you're incapable. Um, And, uh, you know, again, to remember that uh, article I pointed to a while back, those negative feelings, remember that that's that's a heckler, not a mugger. That's somebody who's trying to throw you off your game, but it's not anybody who's going to shoot you. Your, your thoughts are not going to shoot you unless you let them. So that sensitivity to you know, what you're thinking, what you're feeling while you're doing that can help you get through those times by going like, oh, I can stand being a little bit anxious for a while, but my job here is mostly to type or my job here is to do this exercise where I talk for one minute. You know, If you're doing a podcast, you try something like, I'm going to just talk into my computer I'm going to do five one-minute sessions of, of talking. Um, oh, okay, that was interesting. Those kind of sucked. Well, maybe I should do one where I pretend like I'm introducing a guest. How could I be great at that? Maybe I do one where I pretend like I'm doing a sponsor read. But nobody's ever going to hear any of that. You can delete it all. But you know, you putting your voice onto digital media is a big first step toward making a podcast. You know, It feels like you should go out there and start talking to podcast networks first. But really, you might want to try that stuff first. Um, you know, schedule something with a guest, talk to a friend, start by just sitting in a bar with your friend and acting like you're recording, I guess. I, I guess there's a million ways to do it. But the, the thing I guess, if there's any delta over what I've said in the past, maybe, it's that I, I think it pays to listen to what your brain and your body are telling you. Because, it, it, you know, it's just something David Allen has said, lots of people said this about procrastination. Procrastination is sometimes your brain's way of telling you something. It may be, I don't want to be a karma suck, like Debbie Downer, but like it may be that you're not doing this thing because you haven't really wanted to do it for 10 years. And now you mostly feel bad because you think of yourself as a failure for not having done it. A nice pivot there would be to go, well, what would I really like to do? What's something new I'd like to learn? Again, comes the curiosity. What's something I might want to go learn about and then put into practice? And I wish I had a better way of giving examples of this that aren't totally obvious. 
But those things are probably out there. It's just that start listening for what your brain and your body are telling you whenever you try to do something different. Because that risk aversion, that fear of failure, that sense of like being incapable or that imposter syndrome, whatever that means, like you're hearing some voice telling you that this is not for you. And you can't really know if it's for you until you do it. If you realize it's not for you, then try something different. But don't stop moving. Like there's always something that you can do. You can always take a walk. <laughs> so there's always something that you can do. Um, and, you know, and sometimes you hear that message or you think that message and nothing happens for five years. And then one day it does. And you go, wow, that was not nearly as bad as I thought. You know, you can spend years thinking about a shot you're supposed to get that oh, you yeah. didn't get. And then when you get it, it's over with and you realize it's fine and you feel like a dumbass. And what a great feeling that is. <laughs> Any, anything to add? I don't think there's anything I could add. I think logic's going to show a big line there. One large, large green water block. ghost. Big water ghost. Mm-hmm. Toy Story. All right, let's button this up. Okay. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Marlon, man. Mm-hmm.